0: They can hear it on Long Island. 2-0, Wiley Rostovic, great save by Anderson. Riley stayed onside, the late man Matthews, great move, what a goal. Beauty, Austin Matthews. Matthews flipped it up for Marner. Mitch Marner, centering, half to the net, scores! He took fast down and his shot trapped into the corner. All right, here we go. Episode 43 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network at Ken Stapon, at McCarthy 95 at LeafsPod, at hockeypodnets. And a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, BMAC. Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, and assist mean more with a DraftKings fantasy lineup on the line. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on your season-long fantasy opportunity. So now is the time to get in on all the daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain cold, hard cash. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for the players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in on the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN to claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum five dollar deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. BMac episode forty-three, the nazim kadri edition of LeafsPod, and a very special guest joining us a little bit later in the episode.
1: Let's cut to the chase, Kenny. Yeah,
0: not, Nas, not, Nas is not ju- the special guest, by the way. No, <laughs> no, the, sorry, uh, sorry to disappoint. 43.
1: But I did want to say. Uh, Bradley Cooper is a stud, and he was part of uh, an Oscar-worthy film being American Sniper, but there is a new American Sniper in number 34, because I, I don't know about you, I've watched that goal, I'm not, I'm not going to elaborate, you know what goal I'm talking about, I, over, over under 20 times. H- have you watched that over 20 times? It's, I've it's
0: watched it a bunch of times.
1: unbelievable, unbelievable,
0: I'm still in awe. He gave me serious Professor Flitwick vibes. I don't know if you're a big Harry Potter guy, but the swish <laughs> wow. and flick. And yep. was in the back of the net. The swish and flick. And very impressive by Matthews. Sort of a weird play where it just gets chipped into the middle by Felino. Sheldon Keefe, actually, when asked about the goal, rather than giving Matthews cred, was basically like, a yeah, guy bailed out Nick. So he did. Sheldon. Horrible pass. Sheldon. But, he, yeah, it's just when you're in form, the way that this player has been in form to this point in the season. I think he's seven clear of the rocket race now. Um, It's basically a foregone conclusion that he's going to win it. And he continues to impress on a night-in, night-out basis. It's been so impressive to watch. And another highlight reel goal of the year candidate from Austin Matthews last night is he's able to blast that one right by Jake Allen.
1: I think that's his best goal as a Leaf. I mean, this year I I turned to that goal – when he danced around Jalen Chatfield and went shelf on Holpi, but this one absolutely tops it. I don't, I don't, I don't see a goal that has been better in his career. Who, who was that goal against Buff? Who was the goalie? He 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 danced around a defender. This is 2019, then went backhand shelf with, with like on this Buffalo left netminder. Left. I, I think it was in, in. I don't know if it was OT, but anyway, there's been a, a handful of, of Matthews highlight real goals, but that one last night was just insane.
0: It's Insane. Certainly- It's certainly in conversation and he's playing at an unreal level. Um, not surprised at all to see this team bury Montreal last night, four to one. They're just a better team right now. They're playing firing on all cylinders. Nice to see the power play get some reward last night. We've been berating them lately for their performance on the ice and they are, they're able to get one on some nice puck movement. Uh, basically exactly what we've been asking for, uh, the defense and the penalty killers cue towards Matthews he finds Riley who then finds Marner who then finds you know the back of the net who i believe it was uh, either JT or Nylander who was Nylander. in front of the net Nylander who ends up banging it in um and that's exactly what you need fast puck movement and just to give the opposing penalty killers a little bit of a different look which they but, haven't done for the last little while
1: isn't it mind boggling though Ken like you you see a routine setup that like something you probably see them work on in practice, and it's like, where has that been? Like, why, why can't it be that easy? Like, it's always too flashy, too sexy, trying to like be cute with it. Like, that is a, a proper setup. You know, you starts with the the backhand pass from from Pappy, and then Riley said They go down low and and backdoor. It's Newlander. Like, it, it shouldn't be that hard. And and the glare, what is it, five for sixty one on the power play?
0: Yeah, something like that. Like, it's just games, I it's think. just
1: mind boggling. I and mean, he's like, where? Why can't you do that? Doesn't seem that hard. Like, it it doesn't have to be cute all the time. Like, just, just,
0: you know? Yeah, just work the puck around. Work it! You figure figure with those guys on the ice, too, it shouldn't be that difficult. I know. Like, you just roll them out over the boards, and they should be able to find a way to find the back of the net. But that hasn't been the case this season. Anyways, it's looked a little bit better of late, I will say. They've been getting better opportunities, and hopefully those numbers start to turn around as they're heading into the postseason here. Um, Not to bury the lead, but the Toronto Maple Leafs did clinched the playoffs last night as well with that win over Montreal. So get the little X next to their name, I believe, uh, which is, it? is it a Y when they clinch the division lead. Is that what yes. it is? I think it's like X when you clinch yes. the playoffs, and it's a Y when you clinch the division. So that should be coming uh, relatively soon, I would think, barring some sort of monumental collapse from this group, which I don't see coming uh, with their schedule down the stretch here. Um, it was, it's been impressive to watch this group over the last little bit here. Um, Also, don't want to bury the lead. We were lucky enough to be joined for our episode today by our TSN 1050 Maple Leafs reporter, Kristen Shelton, for a quick insight on what she's seeing around the team this year. Uh, Shall we go to the interview now?
1: Yes, and she's got a great story on Morgan Riley, too. So, yeah, take a listen.
0: And we're happy to be joined by special guest today, Kristen Shelton, our TSN 1050 Leafs reporter and co-host of Maple Leafs Game Night. Kristen, thank you for taking the time today. Yeah, of
2: course. Thank you for having me.
0: So one thing that we've been talking about, and obviously last night the Leafs officially clinched their playoff berth, so let's not bury the lead here with the 4-1 win over Montreal. They clinched now with seven games remaining, which is something that this team hasn't done over the past as far as I can remember always seems like it's coming right down to the pinch and they don't have much runway left and they don't have the ability to really rest players or take their foot off the gas this group seems different and they have really pressed right until the end here what's the biggest difference you've seen out of this group as opposed to teams of past years especially the past two or three
2: yeah there definitely is a difference um, when it comes to this group but I think the first is how they've handled adversity If you look back over the losses that the Leafs have suffered this year, they've come in bunches. And so they've definitely had their downturns in the season, but they haven't lasted long and they've been able to pull themselves out of them pretty impressively. And there's a resilience and uh, I just think a maturity to this group, um, not getting too down on themselves when they go through those winless uh, streaks Like they just had that five game stretch where they didn't get good goaltending for a lot of it. And you see what happens and in years past that would just kind of break the Leafs confidence like when they couldn't um, play the way that they wanted to or get the results they felt like they deserved. You just see it deflate and they would win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a couple games. That hasn't really been the case. They've they've been able to um, I think learn from the downs and really apply it to uh, turning things up again in a really positive way. So that's why I think you're seeing a, a more evolved Leafs team. The, the growth is really evident to me, especially as this year has gone on. And so now it's not like you're waiting until the last you know week of the regular season where Curtis McElhinney's got to make a ridiculous pad save on Sidney Crosby to get you into the playoffs. It's, it's actually been uh, just they've been playing like a playoff team for so long that uh, now it's really just the formal you know X next to their name. But you knew this is where they were trending. And um, quite frankly, it you knew that it would be disappointing if they didn't clinch this soon, if they weren't the first team from the North to do it because they definitely have the most talent. And I think they've been able to show that throughout the year.
1: Kristen, what's your read on Frederick Anderson or Fred Zilla as he's known in the dressing room? What's the yeah. likelihood he, he, he returns before the postseason?
2: Well, I think that's a... It's a tough question to answer, but my gut feeling with Anderson is that they will not put him into a playoff game if he can't play in the NHL before that happens. I just think that it would be crazy to take a player from not playing since March the 19th. And we might not, I mean, when you look at the possibility that this playoff may not begin until the end of May now, I mean, if they wait out the Canucks and they wait, like can the, I think the Canucks will have 13 games left. Remember, we yeah. got like seven. So, I mean, we're talking about an extra week. Then if we're looking at Anderson potentially not playing again till the end of May after not being in since March, I don't think you can do that to your team. I think the Leafs have worked too hard to get here. They have invested too much in Jack Campbell to get him where he is, and he is a perfectly good option for you in net. The way that he's played the last three games have showed that. I thought he was great in Winnipeg. Um, another example of a player who got, you know, gives up some early goals, but then shuts it down when he has to. Look at last night's game against Montreal. Makes the big save on the breakaway against Armia. Gives up, uh, you know, gives up a goal, but doesn't let it rattle him. So uh, it just doesn't make sense to me to put Anderson in if he can't play in the NHL before that happens. And The big question is, will he go to the American Hockey League first? Is he willing to take that time to actually go and, you know, I I think for some players they can feel like, well, what if I go and I don't perform well? What does that mean for me? Does that hurt their confidence? I think it hurts your confidence a lot more to go and play against Ottawa in the last week of the regular season and get shelled and then think, oh, man, now I have to play in the playoffs next week. Like, it's not a good scenario. There either. So my gut is that he will go to the AHL. He'll play a couple games there, and the Leafs will work him in to either that game in Ottawa or uh, or that game in Winnipeg at the end of the regular season. Just because you have to. You can't. You, the Leafs they've put too much effort in to get here. You can't afford for for Anderson to go into Game One against Montreal and potentially put them in a bad position right off the hop. It's just not worth it.
0: No. And when you look at Anderson in particular, that wasn't even something that was on my radar was that they could send him down for a conditioning stint with the Marleys and perhaps get him some starts, get him a little bit more comfortable and get him back into a game at least. When it comes to Jack Campbell, we watched his 11-game win streak, obviously breaking NHL records, franchise records, earlier in the year. They went through a little bit of a tougher stretch there where he seemed to lose his confidence a little bit. James Myrtle had an excellent piece in The Athletic where he talked about Campbell's confidence and how he was successful along the whole way and then sort of had a little bit of difficulty when he hit the NHL level with the Dallas Stars and then with the Los Angeles Kings before becoming this bona fide starter that he's become over the season in Toronto. What have you seen in his confidence this year that's allowed him to escalate to this level of play which we haven't seen to this point in his career?
2: Yeah, and that's a, the thing about Jack Campbell is that he just wears his heart on his sleeve and he will tell you his innermost vulnerabilities and he has no problem with that and that's so yeah. rare in a goaltender. I mean, look at Anderson coming out the other day being asked for his contract status, he's a UFA at the end of the year. And he's like, well, I know what I'm worth. I'm a great goalie. What's like, what's the question? Well, you didn't look great in that two, five and one stretch. You weren't really playing all that great before. And yet you still can just come out and say, I'm great. Jack Campbell is the opposite. He feels every goal against like in his soul. And it's because he feels like he's letting people down. And when you ride that wave of emotion, if it's not just about you, if it's also about you feel like you're letting people down, it's so difficult to be a goaltender in this league at a high level consistently because you're going to have rough stretches. You're going to have bad games. And if you can't bounce back and tell yourself, I'm still the best bully on the team. I'm the best bully in the league. Like, what are you talking about? It's just, you need it, even if it's false confidence. So. What the Leafs had to do with him was just take the time to build him up and remind him that, as Austin Matthews says, we win as a team, we lose as a team. And so, yeah, there may be nights where Jack Campbell's getting, you know, rocked for five goals against in Ottawa, but guess what? There were defensive breakdowns that led to those opportunities, and that's not his fault. So they've taken their time to, to really, I think, reset him mentally and remind him that it's a team game. And you're not out there alone. And you can always talk to your teammates. You can always tell them, like, oh, I'm really frustrated with how I played. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't let it go beyond the night. Uh, I remember covering a playoff series a couple years ago in St. Louis. And uh, it was Western Conference final. And remember Alex Pietrangelo, you know, they suffered this this bad loss. St. Louis did. And uh, he, he said something along the lines of, you know what? You go home, you have a glass of wine, and that's it. And you got to let it go. That day, he's like, that's what we tell the goaltender. That's what we tell the best forward on the team. That's what you tell your defense. You you can mourn a bad game, but you've got to let it go. So for me, Campbell is finally figuring that out. And that's what we've seen in the last three games, the two in Winnipeg and then the game against Montreal. He's not getting into the same negative headspace. Like a goal goes in and suddenly the world is ending. It's like, no, pick yourself up be the guy because that's what you are. And if you want your teammates to have confidence in you, you have to have confidence in yourself. So it, it's a great story. It's a great chapter I think for Campbell to show not only his own growth, but to be kind of like an example to his teammates of here's a guy who had the most success that any goalie has ever had to start a season And he still had to learn how to let himself off the mat when he has a bad game. And when he doesn't, it affects the whole team. So that's the growth I've seen from Campbell is being able to identify his problem, the thing that was holding him back and that has held him back, I think, in his career, and then being able to turn it into a positive and continue to be there for his teammates now when they really need uh, a starting goalie uh, who can carry them through uh, while Anderson's out.
1: Shifting to the forward group, Kristen, there seems to be a log jam up front. There seems to be a log jam almost every year, but especially in the bottom six, it's yeah. like a revolving door, but Hyman's supposed to be coming back in the next week and a half around playoff time. Riley Nash skated today for the first time. So assuming that they're healthy and ready to play in and around the postseason time, who's the odd man out in your mind?
2: Mm, that's a great question. And... It's, you know, I was on first up this morning on TSN 1050, and Carlo Kuliakava asked me the same question, and he and I disagreed about who we think should come out. He said Alex Galcheniak to him is the easy guy to bring out. I said Ilya Mikhaev is the easy guy for me to bring out because I, I mean, Mikhaev to me is so invisible so much of the time. I just don't feel like he does a whole lot. And that's not to say that he's a bad player by any stretch, but. On the penalty kill, yes. he great player, but it's, it's like the five-on-five five play for me hasn't been there as much as it is for Galchenyuk. I mean, he just works so hard. He's, he's right behind Hyman for me as one of the league's best four checkers, and he can dig those pucks out, and, and he's willing to go in the dirty areas. And um, when you think about the role that Keith has given him to this point, it obviously he can put Mikheyev on that second line too, but he's putting Galchenyuk there for a reason. Um, so to me, Mikheyev is an easy guy to lift out. You wouldn't like to see a Wayne Simmons come out. Adam Brooks has started playing so well in that fourth line. But where does Riley Nash go if not fourth line center, right? So it seems like Brooks has to come out. Yeah. But I caveat that by saying if Riley Nash – I, I don't think – I think today was the first day we saw him skating, but I do believe he was skating um, beforehand. I think Sheldon Keefe said that he had started skating more recently are you going to drop Riley Nash into this lineup for game one? Or what if he can't play before the playoffs? Is that fair to the Leafs to have a new player coming in game one or even coming in, let's say, the last two regular season games? What if it doesn't work? What if the chemistry is not there? What, you know, There's a long list of what-ifs for me with Nash where, in theory, it's great. In theory, Thomas Buchanan was great too didn't work out the way that they wanted. So you have to see him in action, I think, before you can really say who comes out for Nash. But when we talk about a winger coming out for Hyman, I just don't know how you would justify anyone other than McKay or or Galchenyuk. And from my mind, Galchenyuk just gives you more. He's more versatile. He can play more plays. He can play more places. And Carlo's point was, well, McKay can play in your bottom six. Well, Galcanya can play in the bottom six too. It's just he hasn't had to yet because there's been injuries and uh, there's a there's other places for him and, and I just think that he has been able to help that Tavares line continue um, you know, to have the success that they've had. Obviously Hyman would go back there when he's in. Or does Hyman go to the third line? And is suddenly that third line what's gonna become your defensive shutdown in the playoffs? Uh, sorry, your defensive sh- shutdown unit in the playoffs. So In terms of who comes out, it almost depends more on does anyone else get injured between that and all, which is always a possibility. And then what – I guess what's your vibe at that point? And and how how are you feeling about your opponent? Who are you playing in the first round? What's the salary cap situation when you bring everybody off? I mean, when you've got Anderson Hyman, what's Bogosian's status? Is he back on too? And if everybody's on – Maybe it's a money thing. Maybe it's we have to. Maybe you have to take Simmons out because he makes more money. Maybe you have to. You know, there's so many considerations. But from a pure player personnel standpoint, I would take McAvoy out because I just don't think he does enough for you. Five one five.
0: We've often talked about McAvoy on the podcast, and we uh, compare him to a runaway train, <laughs> where he's got that high end, top end speed, but then when he gets in close on the net, he doesn't seem to have enough control to put it away. So I tend to agree with you that he might be the odd man out when push comes to shove here.
2: He's a running back that cannot get it in. To he can't guy. find
0: the hole. He's just um, like one yard line and he, he just said, that's it.
2: He can, get, he can run you 95 yards. For some, he trips over his own feet. <laughs> and I don't mean that to be like, it, it's It's just the best way to describe him. Yeah. Like he can get through. He just cannot get it over the line. And so that's great that you're racking up, you know, the yardage. But who cares if your TVs are like two at the end of the year when they should be out? <laughs> yeah. It just yeah, doesn't matter. Fair. So to me, to me that's Mikhail, is that he just does not give you enough output. And I think Galchenyuk just has a higher threshold that uh, he could potentially get to.
0: Yeah. Very timely reference as well with the NFL draft tonight as well. I enjoyed <laughs> the running back reference. Uh, <laughs> one guy on the back ends that's made a pretty big impact right out of the gate has been Rasmus Sandin. Uh, obviously plugs into the lineup with the Bogosian injury, I think that he certainly made a case, I believe he played 18 minutes last night against Montreal, that he should be a consistent member of the bottom six of this Maple Leafs defensive core and uh, certainly a staple on the third pairing. Is there a situation where you could see him pushing even a more veteran guy like Travis Dermott out of the lineup uh, in the favor of the younger player with more upside? Because I've really liked his play so far.
2: I can 100% see him pushing Dermot out because I don't think that Dermot is helping himself that much this season. I think he's been fine, but I don't leave any night. I don't get on the, on the post game show with Jim Taddy being like, "Man, can you believe what a game Travis Dermot just had? Like, can you believe he made this play? Can you believe the way that that he uh, you know was was breaking the puck out or uh, creating offensively or you know just a great thundering hit, anything like that." Um, you just don't talk about Dermot. And and in some ways, that's a good thing for a defenseman. You know, we don't talk about TJ Brody all that much either. But when you're getting the sheltered minutes that Dermot and Sandin are, we're talking about Sandin every, every game. Like, we're talking about how his maturity, like, look at the way that he gets involved. Like, he's... He's making things happen on every shift it feels like. And he's obviously, okay, people want to talk about potentially boring Jake Evans, but but he's not afraid to throw his body around. He's, he's just, he's not out there afraid to make mistakes. And that's something Sheldon Keith said about him. And I, I believe like in the past, even my dad had said is that he just plays and it's all instinctual for him. It's all just being that guy who um, really trusts his own game and, and he, he will make mistakes but he's also going to do a lot of really good things at the same time and it it was unfortunate for him that he really kind of got into miko lettin shadow to start the year and i think that's why he was a healthy splash for 12 games was they couldn't justify bringing lettin in here and then when they did have a seven D situation not playing him and then they kept travis Dermot in that mix i think out of probably deference to Dermott after years of of service and he's on this one-year deal. He's He'll be an RFA again um, at the end of this year and and have to negotiate a new deal. But is just coming in like he wants it. And I love the energy that he has. I love how his teammates talk about him uh, and just just the way that, I think they're a little bit surprised even by how he has um, really used that time, that downtime to make himself a better player and he's a better player than the one that we saw in, in February, February 8th, the one game he played five minutes in, which was, you know, obviously a bit of a, I think, bulletin board material for him, uh, just personally feeling like I had a lot more to give. And then you break your foot, you have all this time to just sit around and think about things. And what did the Leafs need? They need physicality. They need guys who are hard to play against. They need, uh, players who can contribute at both ends of the ice. They need sound defensive players. And Sandin's been all of that to me. He has combined all the elements of that the Leafs need. Now, again, sheltered minutes, gets a lot of offensive zone starts. Keith isn't throwing him to the wolves, but that's how it's going to be if you're a third parent. And when Zach Bogosian comes back, you know that he's going to be slotting right in. And if you ask me today who you'd rather have next to him, I'm putting Sandin there every time. And that's just because I couldn't tell you what Dermot does that Sandine can't or doesn't or won't. So I think for Sandine, this is a slam dunk. And for the Leafs, it's great because Sandine is developing a bit of a reputation as a guy that you don't want to go to the corners with. And he's Love
0: that. He's,
2: he's about 5'8". He's <laughs> <laughs> a guy probably weigh more than he does. And yet you're scared to go into a corner with him right now because you know he'll knock you off the puck.
1: Kristen, like almost every player has that welcome to the show moment, you know, whether it be getting laid out in the corners or getting undressed by a star, CC Jalen Chatfield. You've been a B reporter for the Maple Leafs for several years. What was your like welcome to the show moment? Whether So let's say pre-pandemic where you were in the thick of things in the dressing room, not, not via Zoom, we'll say. Oh
2: my goodness. <laughs> I mean, pre-pandemic, I'm trying to think back to like being in a dressing room. Like it just seems like
1: ages so ago. Though. I bet it's
2: ages ago. Yeah, um, I I always go back to a couple of memorable interactions I've I've had with players. Um, not even realizing my own position that I was in, that anybody would have been like paying attention to me. This would have been my first year on the beat. Um, I, I went up to Morgan Riley. He wasn't talking to anybody at the time, and I, I like introduced myself. I was like, hi, "I'm Christian. I work for TSN," and he just looked at me. and He's like, "Yeah, I know who you are." And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, oh my god, really? you know?" Because I still felt like I was so new, and that the point right. because we're talking about a time where you know we have about 35, 40 people on our Zoom calls. We also would have 35 or 40 people in that dressing room and i was like there's no way these players my first year on the beat actually know who i am uh and so that was kind of cool just to just the acknowledgement of like oh no like we we actually have heard of who you are um but in terms of like the grander sense i think um you know guys like wayne gretzky coming up and being like hey how are you or you know paul maurice like addressing me by name and being like oh yeah no i saw your your story like that was great um, those little moments where you realize that something that you're doing resonated with someone else, that um, someone who has no reason to, you know, talk to you or to tell you that, oh, you know, I think this is great or um, I really liked your piece. Those t- kinds of things. I think for anybody in any job, you always feel, um, you know, sort of emboldened to to just, I guess, keep doing what you're doing because there's also so many instances where you feel kind of broken down a little bit, especially on a beat. Um, so those little moments of just realizing that no people actually are are reading and listening and they're aware of you. Uh, it, it does a lot. It it makes a, I think a big difference because we all want to feel like we're not just talking into the void, right? Like someone's (laughs) paying attention and, and getting something out of it. So that's been great. And then, um, one moment I had even before uh, you just even players that remember you from 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 years past. Like I spent a few years in Chicago. And and so when a, a Taves or a Kane kind of like remembers you from the past, I always think that's kind of, those moments are, are ones that I always remember as well. But the Leafs especially, uh, because we used to see so many greats come through uh, you know, whether it was Gretzky's in town or whomever it was, it would be like a who's who in the press box of, of people. And when they come and are like, Hey, yeah, no, I heard you on the post game. I'm like, what? It, it's, it's fun. It reminds you why we enjoy this, this work. so Yeah.
0: Uh, speaking of just filling into the void, if you could just speak quickly on before we get you out of here, what's how different it's been. We asked Joe Bowen earlier in the year, uh, what his experience has been, you know, trying to cover the team, from you know, a different setting than being you know right in front of it at Scotiabank Arena all the time, or being in the locker room and doing all of this stuff via Zoom and not really getting the feel of being around the team as much as you normally would. What have been some of the bigger challenges for you this season making that transition?
2: Oh, my goodness. Not being on the road is really hard. Um, it's tough uh, because not only are you not on the road, but basically no one is. So um, trying to watch practice or morning skate from like a feed In the rink, like they'll have a a camera, we'll have one of our TSN cameras uh, there without a reporter sometimes because the reporter's off, you know, working the other team. And you're just kind of hoping that the camera is going in the right place. You want to see things, and (laughs) and you're trying to. And I'm I'm like squinting, I'm like, who is that? Like, you can barely see them on the ice because they're way up. And I'm trying to say, who's on that line? What's going on? Um, So that's really been tough to just not be there um then there's the zoom calls which players are tired of them we're tired of them you get two players it it used to be we would spend like 45 minutes in the dressing room and you could talk to everybody you could you could have 10 conversations one-on-one with guys and actually get something out of them now we get two players on a zoom call and it's the same six reporters asking questions and it's like that was a big win. How did that feel? And because you <laughs> can not get anything out of them, because it's awkward, right? Like they're looking at a screen, you're looking at a screen. There's no intimacy anymore. Right. Um, that uh, even in Toronto on a practice day you could still get, it and you can't now. Um, so that I, I feel like this, the caliber of work that I'm doing this year hasn't been um, as good, and that can sometimes be demoralizing. But I. I try to give myself grace and remind myself, this is the world we live in this year. Hopefully, we'll get back to something better soon. Um, But I think the biggest challenges have been trying to provide good content in a year where it's just so limited. And the storylines are more limited because you're playing the same six teams. And there's only so many things that you can dredge up about like, hey, it's meeting eight with the Habs. How is this going to be different than the first seven? <laughs> or you're playing the, the Jets for the third time in four nights. How does this feel? And everyone's like, haven't we talked about this enough? <laughs> There's a lot of fatigue, uh, Zoom fatigue and and all that. But that being said, I feel so lucky that we got a season and that there's something to cover every day. That, and it makes you better, right? It makes you better because you, you are figuring out you're spinning something from nothing sometimes. And so when we go back to normal, I hope that I will take the, what I've learned as a pandemic reporter and uh, be able to just kind of apply it and, and just hopefully come up with better stories and, and be uh, a better journalist for it.
0: Well, you can find her contributions on tsn.ca, tsn1050.ca, and, of course, Kristen underscore Shelton on Twitter. Kristen, thank you so much for taking the time today. We really appreciate it.
2: Well, thank you guys so much for having me.
0: Thanks again to our TSN 1050 Maple Leaf reporter, Kristen Shelton, for joining the show. And let's move to Around the League. All right, B Mac. Uh, McDavid is the Winnipeg Jets' daddy. What do you have to <laughs> say about this? <laughs> God,
1: it's just. It, oh, I'm at a loss for words, man. He just he had a hat trick in, in the first game of the little mini series, and then Jets lost again last night. They they've lost five straight, and in those five losses, Kenny, they've only produced six goals. So, you know, we can blow up McDavid. He's just dummyed the Jets this year. But it's also Winnipeg. I know they lost Ealers, but. I like obviously they're they're still going to be a threat come postseason time. Like I'm not saying that they're 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 real. I don't want to say they're reeling because they still got some great studs up front, bit, a touch. But I mean it's still going to be a, a, a potent potent team in the postseason. So it's uh it's great to see McDavid continue to light the lamp, but they gotta they gotta adjust some few. Like it, it's it's one key player, and it can't like I I've really pumped the tires of Ealers before. But he, he can't be – it's not like you pull him – it's like the Jenga blocks. You can't pull him right out and, you know, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with it. You know what I mean? You know, you
0: can't, yeah, you can't just pull that one piece out and then have the whole team fall apart. Exactly. It's like, yeah. you have to be able to keep it together. Yeah. And uh, to your point on McDavid being the Jets' daddy, I believe David Amber on uh, Hockey Central at noon the other day said that McDavid is averaging or has scored or had multi-point games against every time he's played Winnipeg. <laughs> so far this year
1: it's crazy and
0: it's it seems certainly likely that that's going to be a first round series if things shake out the way that they look now a small chance that montreal could maybe jump into that third spot but certainly seems i believe they're you know five or six points back at this point and they're probably i would assume aside from maybe some fluctuation between the two three seeds it certainly seems like one and four are locked in here so uh, Winnipeg's gonna have to figure out how to contain that guy, especially if they're gonna have a first round series. Uh, we talk about Montreal struggling to put the puck in the back of the net. Obviously, last night only one goal against Toronto. Uh, but Cole Caulfield makes his debut the other night. Uh, what have you? Did you make of Caulfield's uh, insertion into the Montreal Canadiens lineup?
1: I like him on that line with Toffoli and Suzuki. I think he's going to provide a much-needed scoring boost because you look at the Abs right now, they, they lost Gallagher, Byron, Jouan. Price is on the injured reserve right now. So And Tatar, too. So up front, they're, they're really struggling. So this is a necessary move. I think it's just a matter of time before Caulfield pots his first goal. He's a stud. And I had a privilege watching this guy in the World Juniors. Not when they beat Canada, but him and Zegers just <laughs> tore it up. Like, just... His transition, a lot of these players, like Byfield made his debut with L.A. last night. Yeah, true. Caulfield has made his debut. Zegers made his debut a, a few months ago. These guys, like the swagger of these players and the tra- easy transition they make from the minors into the into the NHL has, has really caught my eye. Like, out of uh, previous years, it's just been a seamless transition almost.
0: No, it's been, I think that speaks volumes to the level that these guys are playing at in the minors now like whether it be the OHL, the WHL, um, even their programs leading up to that point, the NCAA, it doesn't seem to matter. They're playing at an extremely high level and play a style of game that can translate directly to the NHL now. Uh, The one thing I will say about Caulfield is, you know, Montreal is putting a lot of pressure on this kid right now. for sure. And, you know, I heard Ray Ferraro speaking about it uh, the other day. That can be a mistake sometimes when – The whole fan base touts a player as a savior. And sometimes it turns out to be the case. Sometimes the player that's your savior is Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews. And they pan out to be the exact player that you thought they were going to be. I'm not saying that Caulfield isn't going to get to that point. But it's a really difficult spot when you're going into a market like Montreal, who's struggling to put the puck in the net. You've been a guy who's put the puck in the net every stop along the way throughout your career and the expectation will be that you continue to do so as soon as you don that uniform. Precisely. Uh, Ducks' Ryan Miller uh, set to retire at the end of this season. This has been a guy who has been, has such an illustrious career. I mean, Vesna winner, uh, he's been the Olympics MVP. Um, You noted that he's the Hobie Baker Award winner for the top college player. I'll just remember him playing for the Buffalo Sabres for all those years, and he backs off the U.S.A., and him just being an absolute stud in the net, it was like him and Roberto Luongo were like the two best goalies in the league. It was like how yeah. are you going to score on these guys?
1: He would always he was the Leafs' daddy for a while, like in the mid mid two thousands. Like when Buffalo would just eat against the Leafs, especially at HSBC Center when it was formerly known uh, by that name. I, I I think of Ryan. I think of those tough weeknight losses. That uh, we suffered, courtesy of of Ryan Miller, but I also think of uh, Crosby's gold medal uh, goal when he went, to, you know, the goal on Ryan Miller. So that that's oh, how God. I that's how I remember him. <laughs> but he's, <laughs> obviously a, he, he's obviously had a he he's obviously had a prolific career and wish him well in retirement.
0: Another young goaltender uh, flying the Canadian colors, Carter Hart, out for the season due to an MCL sprain. A little bit of a difficult year for Hart. After he burst onto the scene, uh, had some really strong outings early in his career. And this is his first real uh, setback where he had a difficult year with the Flyers, didn't really ever look extremely comfortable or confident between the ears or between the pipes for the Flyers this season. and Ultimately, his season is cut short due to an MCL injury.
1: It's tough. I mean, the Flyers, you know, they were kind of floating around a playoff spot for a little bit, but at this point you got to shut them down I and mean, Flyers are what, like 10 points out of a playoff spot. He's, they got to start looking towards next season and make sure their a goalie is ready to go for next season because it was a difficult season for the, for the young Carter Hart in net. For the
0: Flyers too, man, for the like, Flyers as well. That looks like a wagon last year in the yeah. bubble. Yeah. Like coming into the playoff run and it was like, they were outstanding. They I were mean, all of a sudden this year, like a huge step back. Yeah,
1: yeah. Hey, it's good to see uh, Gerard Gallant back behind the bench. Not in the NHL, but he's going to be head coach of Team Canada at the IIHF World Championship this year. So, uh, a great coach, one of my <laughs> favorite coaches, and obviously yeah. he did wonders in in Vegas his first year, taking them to the Cup in seventeen eighteen in their inaugural season. And I like he's got to be back behind an NHL bench sooner rather than later. I hope because he's a he's a terrific, terrific bench boss.
0: I've found the career of Gerard Glant uh, very interesting to watch from afar. And I'll tell you why. Because he basically gets shown the door in Florida. Like, didn't seem like he really deserved it there. Like, the team was playing okay. And they basically, like, I don't know who they were playing, but we've talked about before. Carolina, I think. Yeah, they basically just threw him in a cab where they're like, you're fired. Cab they literally the threw
1: him to the curb.
0: They th- Yeah, they were like, you're not flying home with the team. Like, get in the taxi and leave. <sighs> Yeah, such a disaster. Same thing basically in Vegas, too. Like, I thought the team was playing pretty well. They go on a little bit of a slide, and then all of a sudden you fire him in favor of um, Peter DeBoer, and the NHL coaching carousel continues. Like, I found that to be a little bit of a strange move um, so early on in his tenure with the Vegas Golden Knights. But ultimately, now you feel like he's got to be one of the front runners, likely for the Seattle Kraken job. Although there might be some uh, current NHL head coaches that might have something to say about that. who might be up for a new contract. Ronnie Francis might be sniffing around. Uh, Rod Brindamore comes to mind as one of the coaches that Ronnie Francis, obviously strong ties for the two of them. So wonder if there could be a deal worked out for that. I wonder who Gallant is going to be coaching at this tournament. <laughs> yeah.
1: Claude like, like, who,
0: who the hell is going to show up? Brendan it's like you're gonna have to go there you're gonna have to go through quarantine you're gonna like oh it's gonna be home, a disaster have to do two weeks like are like are you serious like why would a player want to do that the best of times it's hard to lure the NHL players who get knocked out of the playoffs to come and play this tournament yeah they don't even like, want to do it like, there's it's gonna be just, like, no okay. interest this year yeah. it's like who the hell is he gonna be coaching it's like yeah. a, like you like I may as well put on the jersey yeah you and right. I should suit up yeah <laughs>
1: knock, knock on knock on uh, office door and uh like, hey. Looking for some depth wingers?
0: Honestly, it's very disrespectful <laughs> to the Canadian players that aren't going to end up <laughs> the, representing their country in this tournament. I just feel like this year more than past years, and oftentimes there's players who say, no thanks, I'm good. But this year more than others, it's like with the quarantine rules and like the strict tournament guidelines and all that sort of stuff. I just feel like this is going to be a tough task for Gallant's to put together a competitive roster and coach these guys up.
1: That's a very good point. Yeah, no one's going to have any motivation or energy to, to to do it, really. So, have to yeah. see.
0: Let's go to the tweet of the day. All right, BMAC, you're up first. Who you got?
1: I'm going with Terry Koshan at Coach Toronto Sun, and he tweeted yesterday, per the NHL, Matthews and Marner joined Thomas Cabriolet, Tiger Williams, Boreas Alming, and Ian Turnbull as the only Leafs in the expansion era to reach postseason in each of their first five seasons, so a remarkable stats, and the dynamic duo of Matthews and Marner continues to impress. Man,
0: all I have to say is that the Leafs weren't a playoff team last year. So clever wording to call it the postseason, because technically it yeah. was the postseason, the play-in rounds. but they yeah. lost to Columbus, and this team was not a playoff team last year. So this is a feel-good statistic, but I feel like a little bit disingenuous. In the way that it was worded although it was put out by like the nhl pr so obviously this is what uh, jerry bettman wants to, jerry. wants to go on or at least the nhl pr team i don't know like what the differentiation is there uh, i'm gonna go for a tweet by um at kristen shelton um uh, everyone in awe of austin matthews today except for sheldon keith who is in a rage blackout at nick folino and misses the entire goal Basically, Mark Matthews tweeted out the reaction for Matthews' goal last night. Matthews saying, it all just happened so fast. Thornton saying, just elites, the elites of the elites. Campbell, wow, like what a treat to watch. Spezza, pretty special goal. Keefe, he bailed out Felino for forcing the puck into the middle. <laughs> This is just such a coach's response, and oh, Campbell's response too. Yeah, I like a,
1: everything that happens on the ice.
0: Yeah, Campbell's just a big fan of anything that happens out there, as long <laughs> as it's uh, good for his teammates. I just thought this was so typical of a head coach—just be like, yeah, you no, know, uh, you know, bailed out that guy.
1: That play was I, dead, Ken. That play was dead. I don't know who he was looking for, Riley. I, you could hear someone holler for it. I think it was Morgan Riley, and he just tossed it into uh, Suzuki or. or who is it? Dino? somebody. Yeah. So just his ability to make Matthew's ability to make a play out of nothing is just, it never ceases to amaze, man.
0: Mac, I'll tell you when I was in the, when I was in high school, I, we were playing like a scrimmage, like a preseason scrimmage against a team. I don't know what happened. Like the puck got turned over. I think it was kind of my fault. And I was late on the back check and the puck got turned over again by our defense. And I was sort of like the last man back so I sort of curled, caught the puck, and got a breakaway and ended up bearing it on the breakaway, one of the few goals of my high school career. And my coach, like when I got back on the bench, tapped me on the shoulder and said, Ken, you really effed up on that play. But then you scored on the breakaway and you made up for it. Good for you. <laughs> it was just like, I feel that was Sheldon Keefe last night, like to Felino.
1: Like what was your selling? on
0: the shoulder on the bench. Was it a,
1: What is a stone cold reaction or what, did, you, did you go off? Like, what was
0: the score? Guy. Yeah, I was. Uh, that was actually uh, the go ahead. It was a uh, two to one. Oh, wow. Go ahead. Right. Two to one goal. Yeah, we ended up winning that game. stone face. Ken. Yeah, was, I, I, I was a big act like you've been there before, even though at that level, I didn't really go there that much. I was more of uh, the defensive zone draw, like penalty kill, like that sort of guy. Yeah. So it was very exciting for me when I did manage to put one in the back of the net, which uh, didn't happen too often. But, yeah, not a big celebration guy. It was just kind of like, yeah, like, yeah, this is this is normal. It happens all the time. <laughs> Thanks, coach. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's uh, now it hasn't happened. It's like I, I can't remember the last time I scored a goal now with a goalie in the net. Dude, it's, been, it's been too long yeah. Alright well on that note Let's go to the bar They <laughs> got me sitting at a bar On the inside Waiting for my ride on the outside She stole my heart In the trailer park So I jacked the keys To her fucking car And crashed that piece of shit Well, I may as well put myself at the bar because now I'm reminiscing about the good old days when I actually used to be able to put the puck in the back of the net with somebody meaningful in between the pipes. Uh, But you're up first, Brandon. Who you got?
1: I'm going to go with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., the face of the Blue Jays. Youngest MLB player to mash three home runs and seven RBI. His father, Ken, Vlad Sr., never had a three home run game. And Vlad Guerrero Jr. had a crazy good offseason. He shedded a bunch of lbs. He just looks that much more confident at the dish. And this is just this is just the beginning. And it was great to see George Springer make his debut yesterday. Uh, LB will went 0 for four, a couple flyouts, but uh, they uh, need some. They need some they elite need hitters. Yeah, they need some elite hitters in the top of the lineup. So it's uh, it's looking good in Jay's land.
0: That was an outstanding performance by Vladi. And the thing that I liked about it was one was to left, one was to center, and one was to opposite field.
1: Right and two field. two of three were off Max Scherzer.
0: Yeah. Like crazy. Was, uh, unbelievable for performance. Um, he certainly is starting to look much more comfortable at the plates. Yeah. Now, I, I would still like to see probably 30 jacks from Vladdy this year. I think that would be a substantial or a realistic now at this point benchmark for him and to continue his growth as a hitter Uh, 30, I think it would seem like a good mark, but he's certainly on pace for that. And three in one game will certainly help to inflate the statistics. As far as the numbers are concerned down the way. Um, I often pick a Toronto Raptors player covering the team all the time. Uh, This one I think is well-deserved. We had talked about him in the past. I'm going to pick Freddie Gillespie who parlayed his two 10 day tryout contracts with the Raptors into a two-year deal with the team. This is a great story. Because it's a guy who went from Division Three to Division One to undrafted, uh, ends up in the G League. Ultimately, it's just sort of a, a suitcase, as we've so eloquently referred to players like him in the past. <laughs> making the rounds around the league, can't find a permanent home, just never gives up and kept working hard. Uh, I had mentioned in the prior pod, big former Big Ten most improved player of the year. Ultimately, he finds a home in Toronto. Establish himself as probably a useful piece coming off the bench moving forward in the future. Uh, He's got size, he has athleticism, and he now has a two-year NBA contract. So he's going to be, I hope, celebrating with his teammates, having a quick cocktail wherever he can find one in Toronto. Maybe he just has to mix one up at home at this point. But congratulations to Freddie Gillespie. Just never gave up on his dream to play in the NBA and ultimately he's gotten there with the team through his hard work and dedication to his craft. So a well-deserved drink for Freddie and I'll be a uh, cracking one, too for him a little bit later on this evening.
1: Yeah, I'll be having a, a harp lager. Yeah. Freddie G. So, yeah. Congrats. Well-deserved.
0: Well-deserved man. Guy never gave up and there's something to that. B Mac, what you got going on? You uh, off to the studio this evening?
1: I am off to the studio this evening and, uh, I'll be covering in part some of the Leafs' next game, but we'll see. I, 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 I know our confidence is just through the roof right now with this team, but I don't see, I don't see them losing this this two game miniseries. I mean, they they should just take both and wax well, them. Van- like, Vancouver is also got tired. They're gassed,
0: but they can well they're both be-
1: playing back to backs. Right, we're recording this Thursday, April 29th. They're they're both coming off um, games from Wednesday night, so. They're both going to, you know, be maybe a little bit slow out of the gate, but uh, no reason why Toronto shouldn't wax them easily in these in this two-game miniseries.
0: I feel like for whatever reason, Toronto has struggled against Vancouver and Ottawa, or like the basement dwellers in the division. But then they played outstanding against Winnipeg, Edmonton, and I'd I have to look up the splits on Calgary this year, but I feel like they've gotten the better of them. But it's Vancouver and Ottawa that have caused Toronto a lot of problems.
1: Yeah, no, it's weird. That's just that's just being a Leaf, and being a Leaf fan, having to yeah. endure that.
0: Yeah, got to give them something positive to talk about on the West Coast. Their season's been a little bit underwhelming so far to date. Uh, big aspirations after a playoff run last year, so we'll yeah. have to re-rack for next season. Thank you for listening to Episode 43, the Nazim Kadri edition of Leafs Pod. Follow us on Twitter at Ken Stapon at McCarthy 95 at Leafspot at HockeyPodNets. We'll catch you next time.